Let's talk about a struggle many of us know all too well, losing weight. Remember those days when everyone was on a juice cleanse or just basically hangry all the time? That was no fun for anyone. Well, there's a better, more sustainable way to shed those pounds. Today, I want to introduce you to Row Body. It's not your typical weight loss program. Instead of all the gimmicks, they offer access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. But here's the real deal. They pair these shots with simple lifestyle changes, helping you lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Plus, over 200,000 people have already seen results with Robody. So what sets Robody apart? The support. They handle all the insurance stuff for you and give you access to a provider whenever you need them. And the best part, you can sign up online from home, no doctor's appointments and no waiting rooms. Say goodbye to those days of hangry juice cleanses. With Robody, losing weight is straightforward and sustainable. Take that first step today and say hello to a healthier, happier you. Kickstart your weight loss journey the right way and head to ro.co slash I do. That's ro.co slash I D O. Sign up today for just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Remember, medication costs are separate. That's row.co slash I do. Hey, Love Tribe. Today's episode is brought to you by one of my personal favorites, Cozy Earth. They've got something special for all the mothers out there. So anyone who wants to shower the special woman in their lives with love and the comfort they deserve, listen up. Hands down, Cozy Earth has the best sheets, bedding, pajama sets, and more. So today, I'm excited to share that Relationship Advice listeners get an exclusive 35% off discount. Simply go to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code I do at checkout. The first time I tried their bamboo sheets, I was blown away. The comfort level is insane. I just love slipping into their seriously soft and cool sheets after a long day. And for a mom who knows that the struggle of sleep deprivation is real. Cozy Earth's temperature regulating technology has been a lifesaver. No more waking up sweating or freezing. But what really sold me is the quality of the bamboo sheets. They are by far the most comfortable sheets I have ever slept in. They are made to last years, which they have. I think at this point, I have about six sets of them. And they have a 100-night sleep free trial and a 10-year warranty. So you know you're getting something that is going to stick around. So if you're ready to prioritize your sleep health and treat yourself or the mom in your life to the luxury she deserves, head on over to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code I do for an exclusive 35% off because every mom deserves a good night's sleep. And with Cozy Earth, you can finally get the rest you need. Hey, Love Tribe. 
What's going on, guys? Thanks for tuning in. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Uh, last week, we were very excited to announce our new Love Tribe membership. And thank you to everybody who signed up to support us. Yeah, and gain access to all the great additional content. Love Tribe members are listening to ad-free shows now and gaining access to the bonus round of questions at the end. And an extra episode each month. Yeah, coming up for you. So, yeah, we appreciate you guys. And and if you haven't heard the last episode, we just announced it as an effort to bring you great additional content and become more of a listener-supported show. So it's super easy to sign up. You'll get a private feed with ad-free shows. So you're not going to have to fast forward through the ads, even though... Not that you do that anyway. (laughs) (laughs) but but now now you'll you'll have that and you'll also have bonus questions of super actionable relationship tips with all of our guests that we're adding to the end of every interview and a bonus roundup of the interview where our guests kind of rounds up the day's topic or they give us something that maybe we skipped over and a lot of valuable information is usually there as well. So you can become a Love Try member by just simply clicking the link in the podcast description or going to our website, idopodcast.com slash subscribe. It's super easy to sign up and pay. You can do it all from your phone and really with just the touch of a button. So we appreciate that guys because, you know, Sarah and I put a lot of time into putting on the show, Sarah especially. She's doing all the editing and she's the audio mixer master, booking <laughs> the guests, all this stuff. And and we love it. And But it takes time and money to do this. And and we're not complaining here. We, we love what we're doing and we appreciate you guys. And this is just a way to give you more great content and support the show so that we can continue to provide it. Actually, we're this show can go to the new mixer that we're going to have to buy. We just found out we're, we're having to buy a new audio mixer. So that will help buy the equipment and uh, support the show. So we appreciate that, guys. Yeah, we hope you guys love all the extra content as much as Chase and I do. So in today's episode, we've interviewed Hillary Jacobs Hendel, and she is a psychotherapist and also an author of the critically acclaimed and two-time award-winning book, It's Not Always Depression, Working the Change Triangle to Listen to the Body, Discover Core Emotions, and Connect with Your Authentic Self. And another cool thing that we just read when we were going over her bio is that she consulted on the psychological development of characters on the ABC's Mad Men, which we both loved that show. So as soon as I heard that, I was like, oh my gosh, that's so amazing. Great show. Yes. Not a good example of healthy relationship styles. (laughs) No. Don Draper. Not at all. The main character. If you've watched it, you know what we're talking about. Yes. He's a bit of a playboy. So, Mm -hmm. but- it's a great show. Yeah. And if you haven't watched it, go watch it. Check it it's out. It's amazing. <laughs> and yeah. And as Sarah said, we dive into understanding our emotions and how emotions work in our mind and body and how to connect with those feelings so that we can communicate with our partner and create more intimacy and develop a better relationship by understanding our own emotions. And if both partners are doing that, you're going to work towards a better place. So it's a great show for you guys. Check it out. 
Become a Love Tribe member. We appreciate you guys so much for listening, telling your friends and family, and we hope you guys are doing great out there. Today's show is brought to you by our online course, Spark My Relationship. Create more passion, improve your communication, and build a stronger, more intimate connection with your partner in less than 90 days. We've collaborated with 15 therapists and psychologists to bring you the strategies marriage therapists teach their clients. To unlock a special offer only for I Do Podcast listeners, visit sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock. That's sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock. Hi, Hillary. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. I'm so thrilled to be here. Thank you for having me. Today, we're going to talk about understanding emotions and using the change triangle to improve our relationships. So maybe we can start by having you define the change triangle and how it works and also why it's important and how we can better understand our emotions and the emotions of the people in our lives. I'd be delighted. So in a nutshell, the change triangle is a is the 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 most simplest practical tool that I came across in my many years of training and voracious reading that succinctly explains how emotions work in the mind and body to create problems, to create emotions, which we'll talk a little bit about these things called core emotions, which are most people don't realize are not under conscious control and trigger in the brain, but then first activate the body. They're meant to be adaptive programs for action. Like if you're attacked, you get angry because it's a survival uh, strategy that works. And so when we have emotions, we have two choices. We can either welcome them and be with them, or we can block them like most of us do because we don't get any, any type of education that teaches us how to work with emotions safely so that they're demystified, so that we're not frightened of them, even though they can be painful for sure. And depending on how you work with emotions really sets the stage for a life of kind of living authentically in line with really accepting who you are and what you need and what you love and what you don't like. And, um, or really cutting yourself off from a major piece, a major compass for telling you who you are and what you need. And so it's so helpful in relationships to know yourself and to know the other just in these basic ways. Um, And unfortunately, we don't get any emotion education in high school where I think it should begin. And I didn't discover any of this stuff until I was 40. And, And then it just really changed my life and changed the life of my colleagues and my patients. And then I just became emphatic about trying to teach it to the public. So it's a tool to understand emotion. Yes. And it's crazy that we are not taught this uh, in school. And it's like the basic understanding of ourselves. And we think it's such valuable work that you're doing and, and something I'm diving into. And maybe a good way to talk about the change triangle and understanding our emotions is to use an example of, let's say, I'm feeling jealous and What's the first step there uh, and 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 then how can we work through it? I, I assume it's like just recognizing that that feeling's arising, right? 
Yes, exactly. So the first step in in any of this, and this step can take a while, is to build the the discipline and the practice of taking a moment to turn inward and to try to be aware of not only the thoughts that are going on in our head, which are vital, and thoughts are important, and I really enjoy my thoughts, but there was this whole world of going on below the neck that I never knew existed, and that is the leap of faith that takes um, some practice, because many of us, uh, when we train in in this type of work that I do as a therapist called AEDP. And we were trained to, to help people turn into the sensations that we're feeling in our body that tell us our emotions, right? We think emotions are happening in, in our head, but they're really physical. And so awareness, uh, when, you know, when you, when you talk about mindfulness, for example, which is big today, I would say that, that the practice of scanning the body but having a map of what to look for, as opposed to in mindfulness, there's sort of a wide open space. And I think there's something about keeping that open space and being aware, but this kind of categorizes uh, an awareness. So something like jealousy, which I think of more as a state than an emotion, meaning it's made up of many emotions. It's and many needs and many desires, we could say, for for wanting something completely and being angry that it's not available or being sad that it's not wholly available in the way we need it. We would not only want to notice the jealousy, but to be able to go deeper into the experience of the jealousy. And over time, I can't emphasize enough that this is like a practice, not a perfect. And um there's, you know, there's lots of gentle exercises available to be able to practice separating out what emotions are going on inside and then honoring each one of them separately so that the jealousy, so it's not black or white, so that there's some room for change because that's what we're, all of this is about with relationships is how can we grow together ostensibly in the ways that we want to grow more closer and to develop um, a sense of safety and trust with each other. So the more we can understand ourselves and then put language on what we're experiencing and and try to convey that in a way that somebody could hear us um, with some sense of interest and, and wanting to discover more, just good things happen from there. Did I answer your question? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So how can we tap into those sensations maybe this is a good opportunity to talk about the the AEDP work and and just getting ourselves in touch with the sensations in the body that you're talking about yes so i mean it really goes back to the change triangle um we can stay with that the change triangle was adapted from AEDP which is an attachment focused uh, trauma-oriented, emotion-centered psychotherapy. And what I did is I pulled the, the the way we work with emotions out and made it into a public health tool. So people who are listening, if uh, if you have access to a computer, it might be a good idea just to Google the look at it, Google the change triangle and get an image so that you can see the map. And it's basically an upside-down 
triangle. And if you imagine that this triangle is superimposed on your body with the point of the triangle, uh, it's it's upside down. So the point would be, you know, somewhere between your heart and your in your abdomen someplace, because that's where the core emotions we want to we want to be reminded that core emotions are in the body, and we're trying to put together the sensations uh, with the emotions. So, for example, uh, if you guys were in couples therapy with me, and um, Sarah, you told me you were. Uh, suffering feelings of, of jealousy, uh, let's say prompted by some flirtation at a party that you noticed. Um, I would ask you to probably turn inside and scan your body head to toe and toe to head and first notice what you were experiencing as you shared that. And you may say, okay, I feel jealous. I already told you. So I would say, okay, but jealousy um, is made up of lots of different feelings. And I'm just wondering, even if we drop the emotion for a second, what you notice your body doing. And to approach, whenever we turn inside, we, I, I ask my um, patients to, to really try to leave any judging parts outside and to approach everything with a stance of, compassion and curiosity for what they find that judging just you know closes us down and so i i might ask you to make a lot for you and to try to notice all the different sensations that you can become aware of in the moment you may notice that you're anxious and then you may say oh i feel a fluttery in my chest from just declaring how I feel. You may say, I, I'm starting to feel some anger. And I would ask you how in your, what's in, happening in your body that's telling you that you're experiencing anger. And a lot of people report that they feel energy moving up, that they feel kind of hot. Um, you might just close down and feel ashamed by the question because we're not asked how we feel about emotions. And most of us in our childhoods because our parents don't have any emotion education or taught that it's not okay to feel certain feelings. And so what happens is we automatically get shut down with an inhibitory emotion. And that's on the top right-hand corner of the change triangle. Those are the inhibitory emotions are anxiety, guilt, and shame. And in small doses, they are healthy, right? We have healthy shame and healthy guilt. Uh, healthy guilt you know, keeps us behaving correctly. Healthy shame. Um, makes us want to be good people so that we are not banished by our groups. And anxiety signals that we have emotions coming up and or we have conflicts coming up. And so what we're trying to do is, is always get down to the core feelings because those are what, what's really true for you. And you want to be able to share your truth with your partner and your, then your partner will need help listening and being able to accept that without getting defensive and instead getting curious. With compassion. So that's sort of the overarching uh, way of, of really trying to speak one's truth and have it be heard and to teach someone to have empathy and not get defensive, but to get curious and to want to know more. So there's so much in here and we love how you broke 
this down into the change triangle. Uh, one thing I want to ask is, I feel like, and you kind of alluded to it, but a lot of times we are disembodied that I know I tend to be in my head a lot, but then tapping into the deeper core emotion of like, it's a bad feeling in my stomach or, or whatever. I have a couple questions. So one is like, what's the physiology of that? Or is that because it's like a very fight or flight kind of response? And then also how can we become more embodied to feel those emotions in the body? Uh, yes. So two excellent questions. Um, I'll, I'll start with the, the second one, which is practice. Right. This it's like learning Japanese. It's like learning a new language. We're never asked to tune in to our physical sensations and to try to put language, which is language comes from a left brain process, executive functioning, that we're trying to put on right brain processes, which are emotion, sensation, fantasy, um, you know, dreamlike states. And just the mere act of putting language, left brain, on right brain experience is in of itself healing and integrating for the brain. So to answer your first question, if you think of emotions, core emotions, uh, and, and really this is the, the current neuroscience has backed up what Darwin and William James and Sylvan Tompkins and all these researchers, Paul Ekman more recently, that emotions are, are wired in programs that evolved with the mammalian brain. And evolution found that if we have quick responses to the environment that you can't even, you don't even know you're having, you're just, you're not even thinking. So for example, fear is the easiest one to recognize. Uh, if you know a wild animal burst into where we're both sitting, we would disperse and run for our lives. And you would be aware that you wouldn't have to think, oh, there's, a, there's somebody dangerous or some dangerous animal coming, I better run. It happens automatically. And we have no conscious control over that. It's only after we've run and we feel a little bit more safe that we can then reflect with our thinking brains and saying, you know, what just happened? And we will then be able to register something just scared the ever-living day, daylights out of me. What was it? Is it gone? Is it clear to come out? And so when, like, if, for the people listening, if there's one thing to take away from this, it's the revelation that was for me when I learned it is that emotions just are. They just happen because they're designed to just happen. Um, same thing, other emotions. We experience love and attachment as it's, it's wired in, that humans are wired connect, for connection. Therefore, when we lose connection to something, we feel loss. We feel sadness. It's wired in. It's what helps us connect to each other. Um, when something is toxic to us, we feel disgust, whether it originated from the dis disgust is another core emotion. Um, survival in terms of eating uh, poisonous berries, for example, right? We have to be able to smell and taste something and feel disgusted. And then it turns out that it, disgust really evolved so that if we're treated in ways that are abusive or toxic, 
we feel disgust. And disgust is such an, an important emotion for therapists listening to understand, especially when you work with, uh, with trauma. And I, I see everyone as coming from, we all, we all have trauma, even if it's invisible because we don't yet talk about certain traumas in our society. But just being emotionally out of tune with your parents, just by being a little kid who says that they're angry, let's say, for example, and they want to, you know, they hate their sister or brother and the parent just shutting that down without being curious, without knowing what to do to allow the anger, but not allow bad behavior. So we want to welcome, we have to basically re-teach ourselves how to feel, most of us do, how to, how to re-feel feelings. Most of us are just living in states of anxiety, guilt, shame, and that left, that top left corner of the, of the change triangle, which I didn't mention, is or the defenses, which are the brilliant adaptive ways that the mind can avoid pain by what most of us do. We go up into our head and we ruminate or we worry, but defenses are anything from um, reaching for a drink when we're upset to more extreme forms of uh, self-harm, like cutting to stop overwhelming emotions, to getting depressed, which is a, a shutting down. I think of depression as a, as a defense against what's really happening underneath, which is usually um, anger is a pretty, internalized anger is um, a pretty big culprit that we, we hold in because we think it's not nice to be an angry person. Even the idea of an angry person these are all these myths in our culture that we're raised with. So um, for, for someone like you, Chase, who was saying, how do you practice living in, you know, getting out of the head? That is the goal. We are taught to live in our heads and we're out of balance. And it's really a practice um, I mean, I don't want to hock my wares right away, but what I tried to do in the book is to have gentle exercises to work. It's basically an, it's like an education on emotions in a box with stories showing you how to, that I, how I work the change triangle in my practice. And then I have gentle exercises at the end of each section to help you begin to, to do what I do, which is to, to sort of get into the body and in a safe way. And when you get stuck, that's when um, it's helpful to reach out either to a counselor or a therapist. Or I really believe that we can teach listening skills and skills to help peer-to-peer -peer work with emotions. And I suggest couples read the book together uh, and get to know each other on very deep levels. But it's really a practice coupled with the education to understand what emotions are which is how you started this question. And I think I answered half of it about them being body-based. So should I, let me continue my answer about the physiology of emotions or should I pause here? Yeah, no, that's great. And, and definitely have more follow-up questions, but yes, please tell us about the physiology of it. Before we continue on, we're going to take a short break to tell you about our sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by our online course, Spark My Relationship. 
Do you guys want to create more passion, improve your communication, and build a stronger, more intimate connection with your partner in less than 90 days? Yes. Sign yes. me up. <laughs> then you guys need to check out our online course, Spark My Relationship. It is an online course, like I mentioned, that we created with over 15 therapists and psychologists to bring you guys the strategies marriage therapists teach their clients. We talk about it on the show. Relationships take work. Sometimes they function pretty easily and you coast along. But we've found the reality is, is you have to do work sometimes and to make them better, to change them so that they're more satisfying for both partners. And you've made it here. You've made it to listening to our show. So you guys probably already know that a little bit. But what you might not know are the specific tools and exercises that you need to create those lasting and positive improvements in your relationship. And like Chase said, change does not happen on its own. It takes hard work. And that's why we created the course. Spark One Relationship is designed to infuse your life and relationship with fresh passion, skills, and wisdom. And it's a self-paced journey that's perfect for turning up the heat, having some fun together, and revolutionizing your intimacy and communication. And just some tools and strategies that the course includes is to how to eliminate unhelpful old habits, develop mindful awareness to help improve your stress management, learn healthy and successful communication tools, create a deeper and more intimate bond, and strengthen your couple microculture, which you will find out what that is. Uh, in the future together. So for our listeners only, we're offering a special of $100 off the course. Visit sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock to unlock your discount. And there is a 30-day money-back guarantee. So there really is no reason to not give it a try. So go to sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock for $100 off. Today's episode is also brought to you by Uberlube. Lube is the key to maximizing pleasure, whether you're alone or with your partner. So if you don't know, now you know. And <laughs> if you're going to lubricate, you want to make sure it's done with the highest quality, body safe ingredients. And nothing beats Uber Lube. Uber Lube truly is for everyone. Thousands of doctors recommend Uber Lube as their go to solution for patients experiencing dryness. Uberlube's simple ingredients list makes it widely used by people with sensitivities to other lubricants. And people can use Uberlube outside of the bedroom for hair control, like for frizziness, for chafing for those athletes, for massages, and so much more. And Uberlube lets your skin feel like skin. Lube is supposed to enhance touch, not to overpower it. So Uber Lube adds a thin layer that leads to just the right amount of slip while still allowing for skin-to-skin -skin sensations. And for those of you that can't see in the dark, <laughs> which is probably all of you, unless you're Spider-Man and you're listening, or Batman. Or Cat-Eye Vision. There you go. <laughs> Uber Lube's measured pumps allow you to dispense the perfect amount of product every time, even in the dark. So right now they're offering ID podcast listeners a special offer, 10% off and free shipping when you use our code I do at uberlube.com. That's 10% off and free shipping. Use the code I do at uberlube.com. 
So basically, in a, in a quick nutshell, the so in that example where a wild animal bursts in the room, your eyes, ears, all the five senses are there to pick up environmental. I, I, I don't want to say disturbance, because it could, it could be something positive, but to pick up what's going on in the environment. And then out of conscious control, it goes into the various parts of the brain, including the limbic system, which triggers a particular emotion that uh, maybe um, on the one hand, we could make certain predictions, but on the other hand, as we wire an experience, we might have, you know, one person might get sad about the same thing that another person gets angry about. But basically an emotion or many emotions will be triggered in the middle part of the brain, no conscious control yet. The middle part of the brain connects with the lower part of the brain, which connects to the vagus nerve, which affects virtually every organ in the body. So the purpose of the emotion is to now activate the body for and get it ready for an adaptive action. That action could be if let's say the core emotion of excitement is triggered, that our our interest would pull us, the adaptive action would would want to bring us nearer to that exciting object. So if you think of children who, before they are become very inhibited from their um, socializing, you can see these kind of pure, uninterrupted core emotions. When they're angry, they show it. They scream bloody murder. When they're sad, they cry. When they're scared, you can see it. When they're interested and excited, they're, they're moving towards an object, and then they get frustrated if you thwart them. So once the body is activated, as adults, we want to listen to what these, these activations, what are our impulses that the emotion is pulling for? And we have a decision now with our thinking brain to act on these impulses or not, or at least that's the goal, to become aware of the physical, the emotion, be able to name it, to be able to stay with and tolerate whatever sensations it creates in the body, to listen to that physical energy pull and see what it's pulling for. No behavior has actually happened. It's a wholly internal process. And then the last step is to think through how to handle this emotion. Am I going to allow myself to express my anger at my partner, for example, if I, if I know that I'm angry? Or is it something that I realize is a, is a pretty, I've been here before, I've been here with other relationships. I know this is more about me than my partner, in which case I can try to process it on my own or with the help of someone else. And I can give examples of this in my personal life or with other people. But so the idea is, again, in a nutshell, that emotions trigger the body. And it's only after that they're doing their thing that we have a choice for how ideally we want to let them flow through us. And then, then we calm down again. It's almost like a wave where we get very activated. We get the nervous system becomes hyper aroused. And if we can listen and stay with it, ride the wave, like when you stub your toe and you can anticipate, you know, there's going to be some activation or pain and then you know it's going to subside. It's very similar to riding the wave of an emotion taking as much, in, extracting as much information as your thinking brain can, and then thinking about how to make constructive use of what's going on.
It's such a powerful place to come from when we can understand that there's things operating on just a fundamental biological level have evolved with us for hundreds of thousands, millions of years. And I kind of use that as a recognition into pause, like when that feeling comes up, that core emotion of, well, it's not a core emotion to go back to, to jealousy, because I guess maybe that's one that people can relate to. And to me is embodied pretty strongly, uh, at least in me. And that, and maybe that's not the best way to like jealousy. Like you said, it's a mix of emotions, but what I go is like, well, what is that? That's, is it, it's fear, you know, maybe in me, it's fear of, of losing my partner or fear of, and, and then when I do just doing that naming it, like you said, like takes its power away a little bit. And then I, mm-hmm. I have a question here is you, you said you took us through this awareness, naming it, identifying the cessation of the body and then thinking how to handle it. Let's say in that situation, you've had jealous episodes before and you want to internally process it. But when do we communicate these things with our partner and how can we do that? Mm-hmm. Well, excellent question. And first, I just want to commend you on you just worked the change triangle. You named fear and you felt that little that little it sounds like that sort of click of recognition that that something dropped a little bit drop down. And um, I don't know if that was your experience, but can you maybe say what that, what it felt like to name the emotion to be able to sort of. Yeah. It felt just a bit liberating because when I feel it in my body, it feels more like it's controlling me and then naming it. Mm -hmm. It feels like, Oh, okay. It's like stepping outside of the situation here outside of my body into my head and going, Oh, okay. Like there, that is, I don't like the way that feels like literally feels in my stomach. Mm-hmm. What's that about? And Oh, okay. Like it's not the, the situation going on. It's that I'm afraid and it, it takes its power away. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh, that was beautiful. Right. Gorgeous. And that's a great example of that left brain putting a word on an experience and the relief that that comes with that. So that's like uh, for viewers out there, like listeners out there, just the idea of getting, knowing what emotions to look for and putting a name on it is really, um, it's a huge step. Then I would say absolutely that, that jealousy um, would be the kind of thing my gut would tell me to communicate because such a painful and it's it's a rather alone experience and a lonely experience and I think to be able to to well it's kind of a combination so in a way when we do AEDP for couples it's very much doing individual therapy while the partner witnesses so I would ask you to, if it felt okay, to invite you to tune into the feeling of the fear in your body. And one, I might say, you know, if you've, 
this this feeling of jealousy and this fear that you're aware of, if you bridge back in time, back and back and back and back, where's the first time, how old were you the first time you remember feeling uh, that that experience? Hmm. Feeling <laughs> jealous. Probably when you played basketball? Man. Yeah, I mean, there's probably feelings there like if someone else was succeeding I played basketball competitively and maybe a little bit of jealousy but I'm just trying to think even before that it's with siblings mm-hmm. maybe yeah I mean I have a brother and a sister but that uh, that's not resonating now I might have to think a little mm-hmm. bit harder on that but but or maybe like a girl I had a crush on in school and she liked someone else. I can't think of maybe the specific girl or instance, but that's kind of resonating a little bit. Yeah. And so that's that's great. And so Sarah, if we were in session together, I would probably gently ask you to refrain from from guessing only because it's so much more powerful for someone, even though I do that with my husband all the time, especially as a, you know, I'm a, he married a 24 seven therapist and he still says that's not enough. But uh, so we're constantly in process, but uh, yeah, I would sort of want um, Chase to, to, you know, just be with the experience, not, not overthinking it, but just like you did where you sort of let it kind of wash over you and you landed um in this memory that is not so specific, but it, the feeling brought you there. Did you notice that? How it's the feeling that's carrying you because the body is the archive of our history and it, it knows it doesn't lie and it takes us right to where we need to be. And um, so I, I would ask you with Sarah, just listening and witnessing what age do you, do you have a sense of when this, um, this crush happened? And we won't go deep. I don't worry. I won't go too deep with you on a oh, podcast. Oh, please. I'm, I'm happy to go through it. Um, let's see. Probably it was like third or fourth grade. So what are you, like eight? Eight-ish? Seven or yeah. Oh, yeah. so young. <laughs> yeah. Well, and what do you, is there anything else that you remember? That What was the... Was it fear or jealousy that was that you're in contact with? Probably f- fear. Yeah. Of like yeah. wanting to have it reciprocated. And maybe if it wasn't that the uh, yeah. fear of rejection, maybe. Yeah. Oh, that's a biggie, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And so then we, you know, we would probably do a little kind of work around that old scene um, with, you know, maybe that seven or eight year old part of you. And um, just to have just for for Sarah one to to it's going to build her empathy when maybe you get back to what her what the actions that she did that that brought up that insecurity. Um, so, and it's going to help you also kind of disentangle it from the present moment, uh, a little bit so that it just loosens up. 
Um, and then the second part would really be talking about the present day trigger uh, that that brought on the feeling of jealousy and to think about what, you know, as, as you try to be understood and, you know, practicing this kind of basic listening 101 where you kind of, um, you, you guys know this, you know, where you, you share something that you want to say to Sarah, let's say, you know, when you went to a party and um, flirted with this guy, I, I really didn't like it. And then Sarah, instead of getting defensive, would say, I, I hear that when I did this thing, you really didn't like it. And then ask, did I get that right? And if you said yes, then she would ask, is there more that you want to tell me? And you would sort of get it all out and feel that Sarah truly understood and she's validated that she understood and there's no, you know, we're minimizing any defensive behavior, which for some people, you know, takes some work. Um, and then probably have Sarah say what, what she needs you to know with you listening and then see if there's any actual change that needs to take place or whether it's decided that this is an, sort of an individual issue that you could, that really stems from the past and really having to repair, do some healing from uh, probably more complexity than it's not only that you had an experience when you were eight years old, but then I would be curious how you're, if you told anyone, how the adults around you responded, you know, that sort of overlay of what it means if somebody is giving attention elsewhere, because there's not only the feelings that it brings up, but then there's the sort of secondary meaning that that you, that one would give to that. And it may bring up a feeling, I was noticing a little bit of maybe a part that felt some shame. Um, and that's another big shame is something that we don't talk nearly enough about. And, and, um, and everybody suffers from these pockets of shame. and we all have it and it's all individual uh, because shame is learned in a social context. So it's one thing to go home to your mother or father and say, mm, you know, I'm so upset that uh, Alice in third grade, you know, doesn't pay me any attention. And for the parents to say, well, what are you doing wrong? Versus, oh, she's just probably shy and to foster empathy. So, you know what I'm saying? That there's like layers and layers of the meaning that what it means when, you know, what is rejection? You know, it means something different for everybody. Yes. These things can be deep in lots of layers, as you said. And Hillary, before we move on to our bonus section, I wanted to ask you this great example that we're going through of what happens when, when we share our feelings and then our partner validates them and then shares what what mm -hmm. they need us to know. And then we talk about like the next actionable step. And let's just go with the the flirting at a party. And let's say that made me uncomfortable and jealous. I shared it. Sarah validated it. But then she's like, but I don't think I was flirting that much. And, and I like, I enjoy talking with so-and-so like that. And then we kind of, maybe there's, it could be like a bit of a impasse. How can that be navigated mm -hmm. right there? Yes. So um, I, I would label that 
I would show Sarah the, the change triangle and just ask if she can see how that's like a little bit of like, like defensive, like defenses got a bad rap in psychoanalysis where I was first trained, where it was sort of like, you're bad if you're being defensive, but it's natural. I would just want her to be aware that that was a defensive statement. And I would really say, what I really want to know is what's it like for you, Sarah, to flirt? What's it like for you? What does it bring up for you? How does it make you feel? How does it make you feel vis-a-vis Chase? How do you feel that Chase uh, that it elicits fear and fear of rejection. Um, I'm guessing that's not her goal. And I'm guessing that that, so it, it's not like we're going to go back and forth. It's really like once everything is really on a deep level understood what it means to both of you, that in itself may most of the time understood understanding the other and putting each other, like really understanding, like putting yourself in the other person's skin to understand solves you know, 90% that there's no problem anymore. But then sometimes given that it, it makes Sarah, let's say, feel rejuvenated and sexy so that she can go back to you and, and be her best self. Um, you may say, all right, let me, you know, if I know that that's what it's about and not that you want to, that you are thinking about other men and you want to leave me, that's a different story. So you, you have to understand what it means to each other. And then solutions sort of are just right there. That makes sense that there's deeper understanding and that there doesn't necessarily need to be like a quote solution, like you need to stop doing this or I need to just that naturally through the communication and understanding each other, it will be like, okay, now I feel heard and, and, and yeah, we're just operating with, with deeper understanding and Sarah, Again, this is not a, a real situation, but to go with it, Sarah could keep doing that because that yeah. makes her feel, and, I, and then I know because she's communicated with me and, and we're just operating at a, a higher level, so to say. Exactly. And you may make a tweak here and there. So it may be that she's now aware that it's going to trigger an old part in you or a younger part where when she, when you go to a party, you go together, you like you know, kiss each other and, and she might just have a gentle reminder. I'm going to go, you know, socialize and just, you know, no, I love you. I can't wait to come back home with you. And this is just fun for me. And if anything upsets you come, just come over to me and we'll reestablish the connection and I'll remind you again. And then you try that as an experiment and maybe that solves the problem. Maybe it doesn't. And maybe sometimes um, you have to come up with a more creative solution. Uh, but it's trial and error with the spirit that you guys are together and you're going to figure it out and you're going to keep talking until both people feel good. That's the end result. We love it. This is, uh, it's been a great kind of rundown and in, in to use a specific example and go through the change triangle. So Hillary, before we go on to the bonus section, are there any things that we skipped over or maybe you want to emphasize when it comes to understanding our emotions in the change triangle. If you want to hear Hillary's answer to this question, plus our bonus round of questions, become a Love Tribe member by signing up at the link in this podcast description or on our website, idopodcast.com slash subscribe. Hey, Love Tribe. We hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. As always, all the important links are 
on the show notes page on our website at idpodcast.com. And while you're over there, we hope you check out our 14 day happy couple challenge, as well as all the free resources we have on our website. And thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next week. listening to a pleasure podcast for more from our sex podcast collective visit pleasurepodcasts.com